Welcome to Reflection Radio, reflecting on passion, performance, and perspective with each of our guests. All information and opinions stated on Reflection Radio do not necessarily reflect that of the producers or a Reflection Studio. No information supplied should be taken as or in place of medical advice. Please enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome to Reflection Radio here at Reflection Studio. Ian McKay here with you. I'm actually over on uh, Flex Cortex. Uh, the first podcast I ever did uh, was with Bryson Tanner over there at Flex Cortex. And uh, this week we're talking a little bit about uh, becoming a personal trainer and then going from a brick or personal trainer to brick and mortar gyms or working in the gym facility um, as a personal trainer uh, at like a corporate gym. Um, so just if you are a uh, fitness enthusiast or someone looking to get into personal training or anything like that, coach, um, do check it out. It's going to be a great discussion. Uh, and it's posted as of today as well. So very excited to get on there with those guys. Amazing, amazing guys. Uh, today I am going to be riding solo though. And we're going to be talking about calories in versus calories out and just like the absolute debate that exists in the world. And like I always say, opinions are like assholes. Everyone has one and most of them stink. I think all of them do, but at the same time, I want to give a background for you to formulate your opinion on. I feel like so many people are emotionally opinionated without logic sound behind it. Um, And today I want to go over calories in versus calories out, the nuances and the complexities to really understand what exactly we're looking at, why some people might struggle, why you might struggle, why a client, if you're a trainer, might struggle, um, and and the things we can do. So we're going to go over those fine nuances of calories in, calories out, but then we're also going to give uh, a few, and it's an adaptation of actually John Berardi from Precision Nutrition his dilemmas and how he speaks about dealing with these dilemmas. So we're going to kind of touch on those five dilemmas as well. Um, So let's get into it here. So calories in, calories out is often a, you're either with me or against me. And it's a be be all and end all of weight loss. Other people say it's oversimplified and misguided. And we're going to explore both of those, of the eat less, move more, of hormonal issues, of metabolic advantages of specific diets. Does that exist? And we're going to dig a little deeper, not go too complex, let's go for it. So calories in and calories out is really just an easy way of saying when you take in more energy than you burn, you're going to gain weight. When you take in less energy than you burn, you're going to lose weight. And this is the fundamental concept of body weight regulation. It comes to to as close as scientific fact as we can get. That's calories in, calories out, law of thermodynamics. Energy cannot be destroyed. It's only transferred or exchanged. Um, So we need to make sure that it is kept in mind that there is a law that the whole universe resides around. You would be heavily studied if you didn't fall into it. But the complexity that goes into this calories calorie out is where it kind of, you know, causes so much disagreement. And it's all about extremes. Like biology rarely operates at the extremes, right? Even when we're talking about pH balance, people who are like, you should alkalize your body. You don't get to do that. Your body does that. And it's a very finite range you get to work in before you die if you're too acidic or alkalinic. So we don't want to operate in extremes, but most people are on an extreme pendulum. We see it in obviously government and, 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 and you know, dogmatic principles. We're seeing it in religion. We're seeing it in principles with this, with this coronavirus. Extremes are a very simple but hard way to live. Okay, so let's dig into it. And let's end this debate. And just because both people have a correct side in this story. Okay. So if you aren't losing weight, the reason is simple. You're either eating too many calories, you're not moving enough or both. Just eat less or move more. That is one of the arguments. The other side of that extreme is that calories in calories out is broken or a complete myth. And these critics are going to say that hormonal imbalances, insulin resistance, polycystic ovarian, and other health problems such as thyroid disease, uh, you know, affect metabolism. 
And these claims are often that diets or foods provide a metabolic advantage. And that's what you really have to worry about is, is eating the right foods and, you know, eating at the right times and things like that. Never worry about calories in, calories out. Neither viewpoint is extremely or completely wrong. Okay. But neither is completely right either. So we need to rethink common misconceptions. Much of the, you know, calories in, calories out debate, as with any debate, stems from misconceptions, oversimplifications, or failures by both sides to find a shared understanding of concepts. So let's start with getting everyone on the same page. Calories in, calories out goes beyond food and exercise. This is where our disagreement needs to be brought to. There's an important distinction to be made between calories in and calories out, eat less, move more. Okay, those are two different things, but people, especially some who advocate for the calories in and calories out tend to conflate the two, right? So eat less, move more only takes into account the calories you eat and the calories you burn through exercise and other daily movement. But calories in, calories out is also a really informal way of expressing energy balance equation, which is far more involved in your life. Okay, so the energy balance equation includes all complex workings of the, of the inner body. You are so complex. Human physiology is insane. I don't understand it to the oomph degree. I understand its complexity. And by that, I respect it. So I'm going to dig into it. I'm going to, you know, stay, you know, steadfast on what can be proven and what suits the majority. And then those outliers just have to deal with, you know, the, the, what the circumstances they fall into, but calories in calories out still works. The energy balance equation is imperative and often overlooked because it's your brain. It's constantly monitoring and controlling calories in calories out. It's like mission control. It's sending sending and receiving messages involving your gut, your hormones, your organs, your muscles, your fat cells, your bones, your external stimuli of stress, your coworkers. Um, you know, you're, it's helping to balance the energy in and the energy out. It's impacting your metabolism, which is a word that talks about every every cell in your body, cellular metabolism. It's not like digestion. So it's one hell of a complicated and beautiful system. Okay, so. The energy balance equation itself looks really, really simple. It's just energy in minus energy out. So total energy in minus total energy out equals change in body stores. So body stores are really just the all tissues that are available for breakdown. And that's fat, muscle, organ, and bone. All of those things can change body stores. And that doesn't mean change weight right? Change weight can be anything. You could go like many people go the keto diet and it's fine to go keto, but please understand that if you lose 15 pounds right off the hop, it's because you're dehydrated. We've lost water weight because water is stored with carbohydrates in a muscle. If you don't have carbohydrates, you can't store water, you lose water. And that's it. I'm not saying you can't do keto. I'm just saying that's the law and that's the rules of what's taking place with that initial quote unquote weight loss is very different than fat loss. Okay. So with this equation of energy in and energy out, they're not all just calories from food and exercise. What we need to think of is like appetite, right? What influences your hormones for your appetite to regulate? And this is where people that go too extreme in a caloric deficit, their appetite is going to be dysregulated because of the high stress, right? Or you have energy burned at rest. If you have a higher muscle density, if you have more muscle in your body, you're going to burn more calories while you're resting because you have to maintain that muscles cost energy. Fat is energy food consumed. So this is available, you know, the availability of food, the palatability of food, the energy density and sleep quality that you have, um, the education that you have, the socioeconomic status that you have. And then we have energy burned through exercise, right? So that's an energy out energy in calories absorbed 
energy out, energy burned through non-exercise, energy in, psychological factors, energy out, energy burned through metabolizing food. When you eat more protein, it takes energy to break down food, and especially protein, and that's actually going to cost energy. Nothing gets done for free. Everything costs energy, which is calories, right? So influences of energy in, appetite, food consumption, calories absorbed, and psychological factors. Factors that influence energy out, energy burned at rest, energy burned through exercise, energy burned through non-exercise activity, and energy burned through metabolizing or breaking down food. So when you look at calories in, calories out through this lens by zooming out, seeing the forest through the trees, boiling down to eat less, move more is a significant oversimplification. Okay, so let's keep going. Calorie calculators and calories in, calories out are not the same thing. Many people use calorie calculators to estimate their energy needs and approximate how many calories they've eaten. But sometimes these seem, these tools don't seem to work. As a result, most people will be like, well, calories in, calories out is broken. Well, the key here is estimate and approximate. And that's because calorie, calorie, calorie counters don't necessarily work at a high level of accuracy. And there's a lot of inaccuracy in this, right? When people jump on a treadmill and they're like, mm, my treadmill told me I burned 3,000 calories. It's like, well, did you enter your age, your height, your body mass index, your body fat ratio? Are you holding more muscle? People that go for a run that have more muscle burn more calories than people who don't, right? Because they use more muscle and using more muscle requires energy. So all of those things are going to, you're going to have to punch in a treadmill to get even close to an estimate, right? So don't believe that easy stuff. Um, it, it's an oversimplification of a complex issue, but let's also talk about for starters, they provide an output. So calorie calculators provide an output based on averages and they can be as far off as 20 to 30% in normal, young, healthy people. So then if someone is, you know, older or dealing with a clinical issue or obese populations, that is going to be just way outside of, of, of the estimation. So it's going to mess you up. The number of calories you eat or your energy in is an estimate as well as your energy out. So the FDA allows an inaccuracy of up to 20% on label calorie counters, right? So on the label of something, it can be off by 20%. That shows, you know, research shows that restaurant nutrition information can be off by 100 to 300 calories per food, food item. You really only need to be 250 to 500 calories over a day to gain some weight, right? You only have to be one calorie over to gain weight technically, right? We don't want to be super strict with it because of these inaccuracies, but anytime you're over, you're over, right? If you fill your gas tank too much, it does overflow. It's no different here. There's too much energy. So what's more, even if you were accurately to weigh and measure every single morsel of neurotic food that you eat, you still wouldn't have an exact calorie in number. That's because there's other confounding factors, such as we don't absorb all calories we consume. Just because it goes in a mouth hole doesn't mean our body can. There's ingestion, there's digestion, breaking the food down. And then by virtue of breaking it down, we are able to better absorb it. Some people will be better to absorb and digest foods. They're going to have more calories available, right? So absorption rates vary across food types. So, you know, we absorb more calories than estimated from fiber-rich foods and less calories than estimated from nuts and seeds because of like how they're housed in like the cells of those foods and then the, and the density that you have to break it down from, right? Um, we absorb all calories uniquely based on our individual gut bacteria. So if you have, you know, more gut bacteria that's able to digest um, more, so we digest food, yes. But then when it gets to the bottom and the undigested food, we have bacteria present, and this is where like probiotics and prebiotics kind of come in. Um, 
if you have more bacteria able to break more more food down, guess what's going to happen? You're going to release more calories. They're going to eat the food, and then their byproduct of eating that is technically calorie, right? It's it, they broke it down for you, then they release the energy to you as like short chain fatty acids or various things. So we have to keep that in mind. So you can see, and some people have like longer digestive tracts, right? So we need to see all of these things as like wow, everyone's going to be a little bit individualized. Um, everyone's had a different upbringing, therefore they're going to have different gut bacteria, therefore they're going to have different food cravings and associated factors to food. So we really need to look at all of these complexities. And then on top of that, cooking, blending, chopping food generally makes more calories available for absorption than appear on the nutrition label. So like if you blend a bunch of stuff together, your body's like, I don't have to break shit down. And guess what? It's just like, it's going to help digest it very quickly and then you're going to absorb it. Um, so that's a really key element here. Um, and like a lot of people are like, oh, I'm going to eat raw food. You actually don't like raw food. Some t is going to have more of some calories and less of, uh, or more of some nutrients and less of other nutrients. That's just a kind of a caveat here. Um, when you're cooking food, you're breaking down some cellular protection mechanisms that, you know, lots of the nutrients hide behind or, or protected by just by steaming or lightly cooking food. You're actually going to change the way it's digested or the ease of digestion. You can absorb more. So it's not to say like eat raw food. So you lose weight. You want more nutrients, right? It's it's not a game of just calories. We also want nutrients. So, of course, all of this doesn't mean calories in, calories out doesn't work. It only means that the tools we have to estimate calories in, calories out are super duper limited for each individual. Super duper limited. Okay, so to be crystal clear, calorie calculators can be very, very helpful for some people, but it's important to be aware of their limitations, your individuality, and if you're going to use one, do it on a rough starting point, not a definitive answer. Because if you were like, oh my God, I've been eating the calories that this said and I'm not losing weight. Well, then that's, that's not the calories you need, or you're not able to actually represent the calories effectively. So for me, I get people to use the hand portion guide and that's to say like, okay, I have six palm sized portions of protein a day, right? So the hand of a smaller person is going to equate to less protein than a larger person, but that's perfect for their body because it's less of a person or smaller, um, well, like, you know, not from the soul standpoint, sorry, everyone. Um, but then like handful of carbohydrates, like a cupped handful of carbohydrates, smaller people, less carbs, bigger people, more carbs. It just balances out. But what we've done here is we created a very quick and quasi accurate, accurate enough, as you've learned about the inadequacies of measuring, accurate enough to gain insight of awareness. And through that awareness, if all of a sudden you've been like, I've been eating this and I'm not losing weight. Cool. Let's drop two carb handfuls or one fat. And now we're going to be under calories. Oh, sweet. Now I'm losing weight. Cool. Let's keep doing that until, until we don't see a change taking place. And then we'll adjust from there too, right? So it's not about tracking. It's not counting calories. It's being aware of where this food is coming from. Like so many people are like, I'm not losing weight. And it's like, okay, well, does your kid finish their plate or do you? And it's like, oh, shit. I, before I scrape it in the garbage, I eat what I want off the plate. Well, there you go. That's That's just quick shit that gets shoved in your mouth hole and then there's no such thing as a taste test <laughs> every taste test costs something there's no such thing as a free lunch whatever you're taste testing has calories whatever calories are in it are going in your body and you can't fight that so we don't always need to count calories and calories out we need to be aware and we also need to be aware of our emotional regularity right so like eating slowly taking time to go into rest and digest instead of our sympathetic state of fight or flight so that we can digest food better um, so that we can notice when we're full faster we eat to 80 percent full instead of 100 percent full so we're not stuffed and overeating because it's such a short or a long time period for our body to get into a state where it recognizes that you are actually satiated right so there's things that we don't need to be manipulating calories and we need to be aware of calories in 
right? And, and just being aware is going to give us an insight on where we need to change if we do need to change. And sometimes it's directly, sometimes it's indirectly. So make no mistake, even we're not counting calories, calories in, calories out still applies. We just might do it in a different fashion that's more accessible. When I'm dealing with a bodybuilder who's trying to step on stage, when I get them shredded, I'm doing calories in, calories out, but man, they're weighing food. We're getting rid of any inaccuracy as much as we can, but we only have to do that like six to 12 weeks out. So if you're starting with that, that can be, oh, it can be daunting, right? So just getting an associated like relationship with food first, using your hand portion and giving yourself patience and awareness might be a better place to start and then get into calories in, calories out by like tracking when you hit like a standstill or you're really getting the the nuance of it and you're not too like neurotic about your goals and how you're achieving them, right? You need to have patience. That's normally where people lose it is they don't have enough patience. They're like, I'm not who I want to be yet. Yeah, well, you started fucking last week. So get over it. And I mean that with the utmost respect. Still got to get over it. So calories in, calories out might sound simple, but as we said here, it's not. So we need to also think of other things that affect our biology. We are apes in shoes with opinions, okay? But at the bottom line of this, we're an animal. So we need high-quality sleep to regulate our hunger hormones, improve, improve our recovery, and increase our metabolic output. If your body says you didn't sleep, it's going to be like, you know what you should do? You should give me more energy. What is energy? It's calories. Where do you want to get calories? From things that make you feel comfortable. What's comfortable? Hyperpalatable foods? What are hyperpalatable foods? They're not sugar. They're sugar and fat. Pizza. Pizza has cheese on top and a carby crust, fat and sugar, right? And then you got donuts, fat and sugar, lots of butter, right? We got even, you know, popcorn. It's not that bad, but if you think about it, it's carbs and fat. So every th- chips, carbs and fat, it's not sugar that's ruining it. And as soon as we move away from all this dumb shit, people are like, this is poisonous. The sooner we can be like, shit, I guess we should pay attention to the things that actually matter and are true. So hyperpalatable foods due to high stress are going to fuck you up. Uh, you know, stress resilience techniques like meditation, deep breathing, spending time in nature, coming out of that fight or flight, sympathetic state and into rest and digest is going to give you more control, right? You can't, you can't find the direction you need to go when you're running through the forest blindly. You need to calm down, find yourself for a moment. Okay. Increase non-exercise movement, right? Like if you're just like, I'm going to do 50,000 cleans and go cram at the fucking gym every day. Your body's like, holy fuck, we're stressed and we're not getting enough calories. Let's slow this metabolism down. Why don't you just park a few blocks away from where your destination is and walk? Take the stairs when you're going to work. Stand while you're working. All of that is going to burn more calories. And you don't have to do much. You don't have to be intense, right? Trade some of your high-intensity exercise for lower-intensity activities in order to aid recovery and reduce systematic stress or systemic stress, right? So we need to really look at like, am I overstressed? Because guess what? If you're overstressed, you're under recovery. And if you're under recovering, you're going to go into food cravings and you're going to just kibosh your whole plans. We're trying to mediate the values of psychology and physiology. Uh, tinker with macronutrient makeup for what you eat, right? So eat fiber and protein at each meal and then just increase carbs and fats or lower them, vice versa, whatever you want to do until you're kind of in a zone that you're like, I notice I'm losing weight, but I'm not starving. Okay. And it's about being aware and that's it, right? Look for nutrient deficiencies, right? Nutrition also, like if you don't have enough specific nutrients, you won't be able to release the energy from food. You're going to feel like shit and you're going to go off your diet. So nutritional deficiencies can also be, it's not just calories and calories out. It's also, we need to be nutritionally, you know, aware that we're eating lots of dark colors and pigmentation so that we get lots of vitamins and minerals, right? And consult a physician. Maybe you do have something that we're going to talk about next, which is like the hormonal kind of aspect of things. 
And that's something that, you know, we live in a time now where if you go to a doctor and like you have low thyroid, let's give you thyroid. People died from not having that. Right. Like we live in a time now where it's like, fuck big pharma. And it's like, you guys are assholes, though. Scientists have spent their life trying to just give you a better life while you're here. Don't let idiots that don't understand chemistry or physiology ruin it for you and be like, you should be all natural. Just take Yamaka or fucking Ashawagra. Those are great things to in addition, right? But they're not going to solve every problem. So if there's no such thing as a panacea, whether that's in true medical literature in the sense of like pharmacology and a doctor or as a natural health alternative, right? We really just need to say there's no panacea. CBD and panacea is a cure-all for everything. CBD oil isn't going to save the world. But it can have a circumstantial evaluation on when it's going to represent itself and represent itself best in circumstance. So solutions are obvious, but sometimes they aren't. Calories in, calories out, it matters. And you just have to keep an open mind and explore every factor of your life to really get to the nitty gritty on what you need to address. So imagine yourself as a calorie conductor who oversees and fine tunes many of the actions that create a metabolic harmony. That's one of my favorite things is just understanding that you're, you are in control, but you can't be so caught up on the percussion that you're missing what the flutes are doing kind of thing. You're trying to maintain rhythm of sound and be in a beautiful harmonic. Okay. That takes a lot of practice and it just takes awareness. So it's going to take time. It's going to take patience and you're just going to have to take, you regard yourself as a child. I say this all the time. Regard yourself as a child is in the sense that you're not going to understand it on day one, but you're going to keep trying. You're going to keep learning. So here we're going to go through five common energy balance dilemmas and we're going to kind of look at it for what it is and what it can sound like. So people might come in and they say, I've been eating the same way forever, but suddenly I started to gain weight. So take a moment after what we've discussed and I want you to just think of things that might be there. I'm going to give you about five seconds here. So more likely than not when I'm dealing with people, energy in energy out did change, but in a way that felt completely out of control or even unnoticeable. The awareness was gone. Life got super stressful. You're not aware that, like I said, you're cleaning your kid's plate off and you're kind of like, you're thinking about the problems you're dealing with right now. And you're just kind of grabbing snacks off your kid's plates or you're walking through the kitchen and you're just throwing a few extra things in your mouth. That's the thing is we're unaware because we're, we're, we're automated to a lot of these things. So slight increase in food intake due to change of mood, hunger, or stress an increase in the amount of energy absorbed caused to like maybe a new medication that can change absorption and metabolism, um, an unknown medical condition or history of chronic dieting, which will change our, our hormonal profile or potentially our metabolic rate or just age in general, physiological or psychological changes that result in fewer calories being burned during exercise or rest. Okay. An onset of chronic pains. If you have pain, you're going to move less. Non-exercise thermogenics goes down. So the things you do just to move on it, you're not going to take the stairs when you got a sore ankle, your weight's going to go up. You just, as much as taking the stairs doesn't seem like much, it's more than if you don't, right? So that's why they, it is significant just to value the smaller things we do. Significant changes in sleep quality or quantity impacting the metabolic output or food consumption. So in all of these, calories in, calories out is still valid. Energy balance has just shifted in a subtle way due to lifestyle or health status changes, making it very hard to recognize. And that's completely normal. But we just want to start to grow that awareness. So dilemma number two, my hormones are wrecking havoc on my metabolism and I can't stop gaining weight. Well, hormones seem like a logical scapegoat for you know weight changes all the time I have people coming in and it's not my place. Go see an endocrinologist. Go see someone who heavily studies this because the endocrine system is so challenging. Doesn't matter if it's thyroid, doesn't matter if it's cortisol, doesn't matter if it's testosterone, FSH, uh, LH, whatever it is, endocrinologist, not even a general practitioner, 
most of the time they should seek the guidance of people who specialize. Otherwise we wouldn't have specialties. Some things are easy. Sometimes, uh, you know, if you have low thyroid and it's a, you know, it has a history of it, that's okay. But at the end of the day, they're probably not to blame as often as people think hormones are in, are kind of intertwined with energy balanced, but it's not directly, they don't independently operate on energy balance. So in other words, people don't gain weight because of hormones. They gain weight because their hormones are impacting their energy balance. It kind of sounds like I'm splitting hairs here, but this often happens during menopause or thyroid hormone levels decline. So like T3 and T4, two thyroid hormones that are incredibly important for metabolic function. If these levels of hormones like drop, weight gain may occur. This doesn't negate calories in, calories out. Your hormones are simply influencing energy out. So that might not be fair. Other people don't have to deal with that. Other people don't have juvenile diabetes. Other people don't have cancer. Fairness isn't a problem though. It's just a state of mind. So we can look at that with like, okay, unfortunately, this is my circumstance and we can adjust, but it doesn't mean you're broken and it doesn't mean it can't be fixed, right? Talk to a doctor. So this may seem like I said, splitting hairs, but it's an important connection to make that whether you're talking about menopause, thyroid issues, insulin resistance, other hormonal issues, polycystic ovarian, by understanding calories in, calories out is the true determinant of weight loss, you'll have more tools to achieve your circumstance and get your outcome, not on the cover of, you know, fast magazine or what fuck it is, not intermittent fasting, not just understanding food right? And, and what your body does as an individual. So, you know, suppose you're working from a false premise, your hormones are the only things that matter. This can lead to an increasingly unhelpful decisions, like spending a large sum of money on unnecessary supplements. That's a huge one. Or adhering to an overly restrictive diet that backfires in the long run, because how you lose weight is how you're going to have to stay that weight, right? So instead of you knowing the results that are dependent on fact, energy in and energy out, and how it's changed, now this can be can be due to hormones and if so you'll have to make the adjustments to your eating exercise and lifestyle habits to account for it and even if you go on a diet your hormones will change like as i go through a quote-unquote cut or losing weight i will my body will try to conserve energy because it's like wow we're losing a lot of body fat let's try to conserve this my metabolism will go down and maybe my thyroid levels will change my testosterone level will change and that's because my body is trying to protect its survival not what the fuck we want to look like in society so Keep that in mind and also just as a point of reference, research suggests that people with mild, so that's 10 to 15% of the population, to moderate hypothyroidism, um, moderate hypothyroidism is about 2 to 3% of the population, may experience a metabolic slowdown. That metabolic slowdown roughly equates to 140 to a range of 360 calories per day. So on average, a Snickers bar is about, you know, 350 calories, right? So we can look at, and that's not to say you can't have Snickers. I'm just saying that that that's where we're looking here um, at how sometimes our food choices can be very calorically dense without a lot of nutrients and very like you're not satiated after a Snickers bar as much as the commercials will make you think. So you're just going to keep reaching for more food on top of that. There's many times I reach for something. I'm like, this isn't exactly healthy. I'm going to make up for it for more nutrient dense food. Well, now I eat an avocado. Well, now that's 300. Now that's 700 calories if I eat half an avocado or more because they're like 300 calories if you eat a whole thing, right? So it's healthy. I'm making up for it, but boy, I'm over calories still. So this can lead to weight gain, 
right? And, and one caveat, mild hypothyroidism can be so mild that people don't even experience a significant shift in metabolic activity, making it a non-issue. And people who are suffering from polycystic ovarian, um, about five to 10% of them um, are going, or like people who are going through menopause may experience hormonal change that disrupt energy balance. So it's important to understand, you know, your health status and, you know, get valuable information from your doctor to look at these unique challenges, but the calories in, calories out is still going to be the basis of it. So dilemma number three, remember going to five here. Um, I'm eating a thousand calories and, and I'm, I'm still not losing weight. Metabolic damage isn't really a thing, right? So even though it may seem that way that you're like, oh, my metabolism is broken and it can slow. It's a, it's a process of adaptation, right? So energy, their energy balance can be related to hormonal issues as discussed above like we've talked about already here but at the same time when people are eating 1000 calories a day but not losing weight it's usually due to two reasons okay and no matter how simple they sound this is what we see over and over again people often underestimate their calorie intake and i mean that by a shit ton a shit ton they underestimate their portions right like we talked about before one tablespoon of peanut butter if you're not using a tablespoon you know, and you're actually doing a heaping tablespoon, that's 90 extra calories. And like I said, there's no such thing as a free lunch. Calories are calories. Energy is energy. It's the law of the universe. They don't track little bites, licks, tastes of calorie-dense food. I'm just going to taste this chocolate cake. I'm just going to have a little bit of this mac and cheese. Well, if it's 100 calories worth of mac and cheese, it's still 100 calories worth, right? And your body then has to be like, I don't need this. I'm going to store it, right? They don't record everything in the moment and they forget long term to log it later on or they quote unquote forget because they're so bad that they wish they hadn't eaten it. Wishing doesn't burn calories, right? It's okay to just not be guilty about it. It's okay to recognize what happened before you ate it where you're just like, I guess I was hungry. I should have ate something more responsible up front. So next time I'm going to do that. Be a better person to you tomorrow. Don't carry guilt in, but be aware of what happens so you're not shocked when you step on the scale being like, mm. I don't know how this could have happened. Yeah, you do. You really do. And it's okay to embrace it. It's not okay to ignore it, right? So a landmark study, repeated follow-up studies, found people underestimated their calories over the course of a day, sometimes by how much do you think? Name a number. 1,000 calories. 1,000 calories. More than. So 500 to 1,000 calories was the median over. So if you are trying to maintain a caloric deficit, and you're eating a thousand calories over what you think on a daily basis, you're not in a caloric deficit at all. So it's just not working, right? So it's hard to measure. Like I said, the peanut butter thing, people are like, I'm out of peanut butter and jelly sandwich every day. Fine. But at the same time, you have to know that if you're putting extra peanut butter on, cause you like peanut butter, it's still peanut butter, it's still a lot of peanut butter, nothing wrong with it. A lot of it's a lot of it. And then people overeat on the weekends for the same thing, right? So let's say a person's eating at 15,000 calories a day on the weekend or weekdays, pardon me. And that would give them an approximate 500 calorie deficit. But on the weekend, they deviate from the plan. They go for a few beers, some pizza, you know, a big lunch after work, after the workout on Saturday, brunch on Sunday, right? Breakfast and lunch, one, you know, double down. Extra calorie for the weekend, right? Extra calories consumed might be 4,000 calories consumed between Friday and Sunday afternoon. So they've effectively canceled out their deficit for the week, bumping their daily calories to 2,000 and 71 calories right and that's just a weekend and that's that sucks and that's the thing about a quote-unquote diet we need to have a relationship with food so that we're like oh shit this all has calories but i have the right to live my life what's my goal what's my time frame 
And can I be responsible with how I treat myself physically and psychologically? So we, that's the thing is if you, if you slash calories and all of a sudden you're like, I've been so good this week and I'm just going to go hard this weekend. Well, now you haven't been good this week. It's an addition thing. It's also a multiplier really. So dilemma number four, I'm eating as much as I want and I'm still losing weight. So this one's losing weight. So this diet is better than all the others. It's kind of the same thing, right? It's the same thing of the opposite, right? Say someone switches from a diet of mostly processed food to one made up of whole foods or like plant foods or very calorie, you know, very low calorie foods. They might find that they can eat as much food as they want that the pounds melt away. And that's the power of plants, but it's not. Yes, plants are great, but this doesn't disprove energy balance. Because plant foods are very low in energy density. They're low calories. That's why we tell people, like, eat vegetables for a snack. You can eat a fuck ton. It's so much fiber. You're going to get full. You can eat a lot of them and still be in a caloric deficit. But it doesn't mean they have no calories, right? So especially if the person was eating, like, super hyper-palatable indulgent foods that were like donuts and cakes and things, that's a ton of calories. If you swap that out, of course you're going to lose weight, Right? It feels like you're eating much more food than before. And in fact, you really might be, but the calories are still less. So that's all great, but it doesn't negate calories in, calories out. Or the ketogenic diet, right? Similar thing, they're going to lose a ton of weight because they don't eat carbohydrates, so water goes, right? And, and fat is the highest of all the caloric you know, measurements, but at the same time, greater protein intake increases satiety, so does higher fat it digests slower so what happens there is it, it, it makes you full for longer so you're not eating as long eating as much because you can't you're like i'm stuffed from all this fat that takes forever to digest right and when you eat the same food all the time you may become less they may become less appealing so you're just not driven to eat when you can't eat the things you like you're like i'm gonna eat less than and then you're like look at all the weight i've lost right so and then liquid calories are totally off limits soda juice milk right? All of those are really, you know, high in calories that are easy to digest or easy to down without even thinking about it. And guess what? You, you don't have those anymore, right? So, and then higher levels of ketones, which rise when carbs are restricted, suppress appetite because it's like starvation mode. It's not actually, but it, that's how people like to imagine it. And that's the thing. The keto diet is super complex. It's like the most complex, hard to follow diet. And it's like the rage, nothing wrong with it, but it doesn't have to be the way you lose weight, I guess is the point. So depending on the person for food preferences, lifestyle, activity levels, many diets, including pat-based and keto, just aren't sustainable long-term. And this is particularly true to more, more restrictive approaches, right? So your results aren't diet-dependent. They're behavior-dependent, right? So you really need to think more about, am I eating until I'm like 80% full instead of stuffed? Slowly and mindfully eating. So anytime I approach food, I'm aware. It's like approaching an angry dog. That's just like in, in an alleyway. It's just like, be mindful. Don't be anxious. Just be aware that this is a circumstance and just act accordingly, right? I don't know. That's a bad example. But we're going to stick with it. I'm going to re-record this. Eating more minimally processed foods, right? That's, it's just more satiating. It just has more nutrients available. And again, nutrients can drive and can make you be like, I need more, I need more food if you're nutrient deficient. Okay? And, and it's just probably higher in fiber. It's going to be more satiating. Um, higher quality sleep. Number uno. Right. Because if you sleep more, your body's like, I have enough rest. I don't need more energy. Right. Same with not ingesting a ton of caffeine and then binge eating during the night. Caffeine is an appetite suppressant. That's all a fat burner is. There's no such thing as a fat burner. Let's get that off. A fat burner is the restriction of calories matching the energy out or less than the energy out. Right. So we need to understand 
A fat burner can only work if calories in, calories out still are applicable. So really, it's not the fat burner. Fat burners have caffeine. It's an appetite suppressant because it kicks you into fight or flight. But when you come out of that and you've starved all day, binge eating kicks in. So we need to be, and not clinical binge eating, just the, the standard of like overeating all of a sudden at once. And people have been shown to eat like 3,000 calories in one sitting. So just be aware that that doesn't work. And then taking time to reduce stress and build resilience, right? Calories in, calories out is is really the most important thing here. And I know that sucks because it's like, oh, I have to pay attention. But it's not about what you have to do. It's what you can do to gain control of one, how you perceive yourself, how you perceive food, how you perceive the interactions with other people, and how you value yourself. So calories in, calories out, I know it sounds like this thermic equation of energy, but it's also the equation of how you treat yourself on a day-to-day basis. If you treat yourself poorly and you eat yourself with guilt, and then you're guilty about how you eat, it sounds like you have a really hard time day in, day out mentally, right? So it's okay to have these conversations and just understand that this is the basis of weight loss, but it is more complex than that. And the hormones play a role, but they're going to be slight and they're still going to be predicated upon all of the same things They influence calories in, calories out. They do not dictate calories in, calories out. So that's really it. And and the same thing, let's talk about wanting to gain weight and the Zen one. People struggle to gain weight as well, especially younger athletes and people who are very, very active at work, right? Someone who's like a construction worker that wants to work out and do a bodybuilding show. Wow, you got to eat a lot, right? So people tend to remember only extremes. They're like, I eat six meals a day and I eat a ton. And then I'm like, yeah, I want you to measure it for a week. And it's like, you ate 700 calories one day and it was like I was stuffed from the day before so again it's a lack of consistency on the energy in part of the equation right you have to be aware right so I think it's more important and this goes for everyone track be like okay I'm going to measure instead of being like I'm going to change my diet say I'm going to see where I'm at with my diet I'm going to add up where I'm at day to day and then from there it's like okay well I actually only eat 1200 calories okay well don't all of a sudden shoot for 3000 calories Say I'm going to eat 1,500 this week. Now you're increasing hunger hormones. Awesome. Okay, now you're going to eat 1,700 or 1,800 or 2,000, right? You're moving your way up. And then eventually you'll get to the 3,000 calorie day mark. That's how much I have to eat. It sucks, yo. So if I stop eating like that, which I have, I have to slowly build myself back up. I introduce shakes and more liquid calories until my body's used to it, right? So we all struggle with things like this. And I have the same thing with weight loss. I was was, uh, 275 pounds once. I do the same thing. Slow, consistent, back into the strategies of losing weight. So here's the deal for everyone, maximize protein, maximize protein and fiber, okay? Most people trying to lose weight still aren't focusing on getting plenty of these two nutrients. That's not your fault, right? They take the good stuff. They take away the bad stuff and only eat quote-unquote good stuff, but there's another approach. Just start by adding things in. Add in fiber and protein, right? They're satiating having more muscle is going to, and you're building muscle with that protein, but it's the last thing actually protein does. It also creates neurochemicals like serotonin that are going to be, help you be satiated um, and happy and mood balanced. Um, It's going to help you just do a bunch of things. So protein is pretty big. And then fiber is just again, satiating and it keeps you full for longer. And that's it. Eat that shift your perspective, right? A lot of people I'm like, okay, well, I want you to imagine you're on vacation. Right. I want you to just if say someone's like, I really want to try intermittent fasting, but I don't think I can. I'm like, go on vacation. When do you eat? Well, I eat brunch at like one. Like we skipped a meal there. It's no big deal. Right. So 
just shift your perspective on things of being like, oh, I don't know if I can call follow this calorie or, you know, I don't want to add up everything. Don't, don't start there. Be aware about every time something ends up when you start chewing something, right? It's like, okay, well now I'm chewing. So, okay, now I'll start by being aware of every time you drink something. And now with that awareness, now start to write it down, right? Start by shifting your perspective on things instead of going ham into it, okay? Um, and then, yeah. Add activity instead of subtracting calories. This is a great way if you want to like build a lot of muscle. You see this a lot in uh, CrossFit athletes. They eat a lot, but they also move a lot. So there's more nutrients available. If I eat more food that are naturally energy um, or like um, nutritionally dense, I have more nutrients available to grow and and obviously work out and do the other things. But I've also increased my activity, right? So you have that option too. You can always just increase calories out instead of decreasing calories in. And sometimes that actually might lower your stress, but make sure it's not all high energy output or high stress output like HIIT training. Just go for a walk more often. Go say, I'm going to walk, you know, 10K this week, right? Just make it a weekly basis. And then if you get to all of a sudden Thursday and you're like, shit, I haven't walked any. Well, I guess you're going to have some pretty long walks in the next couple of days. So hopefully this was somewhat helpful here, guys. I hope it paints a more vivid picture of how complex calories in, calories out is, and how important it is to just give your respect to it without, you know, trying to find a hack. Like if you're raising a child and they're like, you're like, that guy's a hack. Well, then stop trying to hack your way to weight loss, right? Because it just really means that you're not trying to do anything in the proper way. You're just trying to get by. And guess what? If you get by, you're not going to stay there. Easy come, easy go. Right. And, and it, that's the thing is the easy go is actually going to be a really heavy mental detriment to you. So let's start not by making it hard, but getting there patiently. So thank you so much for listening. Let me know if you have any questions. Thanks for tuning into Reflection Radio. And just take a little time right now to reflect on your relationship with food, your calories in, calories out. Those foods that might kind of nip you in the butt a little bit, just kind of get in your get your goat. Um, and, and where you might want to start looking at them more. If you have an obsession with chips, it's like, well, maybe, maybe I'm going to get a chip bowl. I'm going to name it my chip bowl. And that's just what I'm going to fill is just a handful of chips. And then I have to take it to the couch and I have to be mindful while I eat it, or I'm not going to get chips and put it in my cart. I'm going to make popcorn instead and try to switch that over, right? Minor subtle changes in both your actions, behaviors, and awareness. Take time to reflect. Thanks so much, guys. Have a great day.